0: Hello everyone and welcome to Histories of the Unexpected, the show where we demonstrate that simply everything has its own history, like rats, bruises, and
1: vomit. And we will be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, who knew, for example, that the history of Gates is in fact all about Nazi victories and the Holocaust, or that the history of keys is all about Viking women and power. The man sitting
0: opposite me, who will help get us through this wonderful journey, is one of the country's leading professors
1: of history. It's Professor James Daybell. Hi, James. Hello, Sam. And the man sitting opposite me is the famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. This is another episode in our special homeschooling series for kids. And in
0: each episode, we're going to take a subject that I bet you don't think has a history. And we're going to prove that it does. And today, it's a bit of a weird, magical one. We're doing the history of invisibility. Have you ever been invisible, Sam? (laughs) Uh, Yes, a lot of times in my life, I'm ignored regularly.
1: Do, Do you know they are trying to invent... An invisibility cloak at the moment, like in Harry Potter. Some very Ooh. clever scientists are trying to do exactly that. I don't think it's mm. at all possible. No. And um, what
0: do you think then about the history of invisibility? My original original thought was ghosts, but then I realised that they're
1: visible, which is the whole point about them. <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking about stealth technology. So being invisible ah. to radar. So it's about those planes, those clever planes that can fly and be invisible so the enemy can't detect them. Or I was also thinking about those ships that we studied, the World War. Is it World War II ships that are covered in zebra stripes that mean that you can't see them? Dazzle camouflage. Dazzle
0: camouflage from the First World War, James. Excellent. So,
1: or Sam, those camouflage ships during the First World War, which were covered with zebra stripes. They were. That was designed to
0: to um, break up their shape against the horizon. So actually, if you were looking out, if you were in a submarine looking for a ship to torpedo then it was very difficult to see. And actually submarines, your idea of stealth technology, has made me think about submarines as well, because before radar, before being able to find submarines, then submarines really, really were invisible. The only way you could even get a sense of where they were is to hear their propellers, sometimes to even hear the people on board moving around and talking. I was thinking about um, things that are so small that they're invisible. And there's kind of a history of tininess and how people began to see and to understand the world through microscopes. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, after the eyeglass that was first invented came the telescope. Um, and then in the Netherlands in around 1590 or perhaps in Italy in 1610, we're not entirely sure the microscope was actually invented. And within about 40 years, we were able to magnify an object 270 times its actual size. And that meant you can see and for the first time describe things like blood cells, which obviously you can't see. They're essentially invisible unless you have this kind of technology. So the microscope was actually fundamental in changing pretty much everything that we know about the natural
1: world. Hmm. I was thinking about hiding places. So Jesuit priests in Elizabethan England in priest holes, these these holes that were built into houses to hide these people. Or during the Holocaust, people like Anne Frank, Jews going into hiding and being not seen, keeping away, invisible from the Nazi authorities who were looking for them.
0: I think we should definitely do a separate podcast on the history of hiding. That's actually a
1: really, really good idea. I also think invisibility is also all about history for which there is no history. So it's about being hidden from history. And think about all those subjects, groups, events that have happened that are in fact invisible. And traditionally, history is all about kings and queens and political events. It's about wars and diplomacy With many groups seemingly invisible to history. So think about women's history, the history of children, the history of the working class, different minorities, ethnic minorities, groups with disabilities. At one time, these subjects would have been hidden from history, literally invisible in the historical record. And that's something that's very interesting to do. This is a challenge for yourself. Think. Nowadays, what groups have no history? What subject has no history that is invisible? Mm,
0: That's some challenge. I do that myself this afternoon,
1: I think. Excellent. Also, there is erasure. So literally making people invisible in the past. So think about what Stalin did to the history books. Simply removing people from the history books so that they were no longer visible. Oh,
0: that's another editing. The history of changing histories is what's going on there. But today we're going to do invisibility with specific reference to Tudor spies, aren't we? We certainly are. And I want to start with
1: a little bit of background to why there were so many spies and double agents in the Tudor period. Now, the 16th century was a period that had seen the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation, so the rise of Protestantism in response to the Catholic Church and then a backlash from the Catholic Church. So this was a period that saw a very heady mix of politics and religion that pitted countries and indeed peoples in countries against each other in religious conflict. It was a century that was marked by conspiracy and surveillance People wanting to be covert, invisible, secret, under the radar. And I'll give you a quote from 1587. And this is a diplomat, Edward Stafford, writing to the Secretary of State in England, Francis Walsingham. And he writes, In these doubtful times wherein so much malice is born against England, men are loath to have their names or their deeds known. And this was echoed in a letter by Mildred Burley. So she is the wife of the Secretary of State, um, William Lord William Burley. Uh, and she warns in 1573 to Sir William Fitzwilliam, what a name, he's the Lord Deputy of Ireland. She warns him to keep close your friend's letters for craft and malice never reigned more, adding some about you may be corrupted to show them. So this is a period of deep distrust. And Francis Walsingham, who was another Secretary of State, kept a very dense network of spies during this period who informed on enemies at home and abroad. And also, this is a period when we see the rise of cryptography. In other words, the development of complex systems of codes and ciphers and invisible ink so that communication between different groups could travel under the radar of the censor, that it was secret, it was hidden, and it was invisible. Now, Sam, you're going to tell us about a particularly ingenious way by which people communicated invisibly, aren't you?
0: I am. Um, There's a book called A Thousand Notable Things that was written in 1579 by a guy called Thomas Lupton, and in it he described a technique whereby you could write a letter so unbelievably tiny that you could hide it inside an egg. And it's a technique that actually works. James and I have given this a go. What you do is you get an egg and then you soak it in vinegar, just normal vinegar. So if you get a glass, you fill it up with vinegar, you put your egg in, you can then leave it for about four to six hours, depends really on the egg and the size of the egg. And once that's happened, what that does is it softens the shell. And you can then take a very sharp knife, maybe something like a razor. You'd probably need mum and dad's help for this one. And you make a tiny incision in the egg. I do this at the top. to get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Um, and then you take a little piece of paper. Brown envelopes are best for this. A tiny piece of paper. You cut a little slip of it Write on it in biro. Works very well. Fold it up and then you post it inside the cut that you've made on top of the egg. What you do then is you take your egg and then you put it in water and you soak it in water for a couple of hours. And what that does is it makes the shell harden again. And there you go. You end up with a little secret message hidden inside an egg. It's something we know that the
1: Tudors did. And even more ingenious still is if you take that egg with the secret message in and hide it in a basket of ordinary eggs, you... Double bluff, everyone, so nobody knows that there is a secret egg hidden among other eggs. If you want to know how to do this, have a look on YouTube and Google for Nadine Ackerman secret letter inside an egg, and it demonstrates exactly how to do it. Now, I want to tell you about a plot called the Babington Plot, which took place in 1586, and it led to the execution of Mary, Queen of Scots, in 1587. Now, Mary had been Catholic Queen of Scotland and she'd been forced to abdicate the Scottish throne by Protestant reformers. She'd escaped and fled to England, which was ruled by her cousin, Elizabeth I. And Mary lived in England, effectively under house arrest for the rest of her life. The problem was that Mary was a Catholic. And English Catholics saw her as a figurehead and sought to remove the Protestant Elizabeth and replace her with the Catholic Mary. And what this means is that there are all sorts of plots to try and put Mary on the throne, which, of course, is why she's under house arrest. So this is the background to the Babington plot. Now, this revolved around a man called Anthony Babington, who was a Catholic gentleman. He was born in 1561. His maternal grandfather was a Catholic and had been beheaded in Henry VIII's reign during the Pilgrimage of Grace. Now, Babington was connected to Catholic conspirators and also had contacts with Mary, Queen of Scots, from when he was a page in the Earl of Shrewsbury's household during a period when the Earl of Shrewsbury was the keeper of Mary, Queen of Scots. And Babington was persuaded to be part of a conspiracy. Now, the important point to know is that during this period, Mary was under house arrest in Staffordshire in 1586, under the surveillance of the staunch Protestant Sir Amias Paulette. What a brilliant name. Now, Mary communicated with the outside world during this period, and she did it in a very clever way. She dictated her letters to her secretary, who then rendered them in cipher. So in other words, in secret code. And these letters were then smuggled out of the house in beer barrels. So they were delivered as part of ordinary business, except that each letter was intercepted by Gilbert Gifford, who was a Catholic double agent working for Sir Francis Walsingham, Secretary of State. And Walsingham handed them to Thomas Phillips, his chief cryptographer, who cracked the codes, deciphered them, copied them, resealed them and passed them on. So in other words, Mary is unaware that her letters are being read. Now what happens is Babington, on the 6th of July 1586, writes a long letter to Mary, Queen of Scots, in which the details of what becomes known as the Babington plot are revealed. And he asks for Mary's approval to, and I quote, the dispatch of the usurping competitor. In other words, he's putting down in words here the assassination of Elizabeth I. Now, what's very clever among Walsingham and Phillips is their reply. They get the letter they decode it, and then they reply, and Mary's response to this reply seals her fate, because she writes, set the six gentlemen to work. In other words, let the conspirators assassinate Elizabeth I. Now, this letter from Mary falls into the hands of Thomas Phillips, who copies it, adds a gallows sign to it, and then forges a short postscript, or P.S., asking Babington for the names of those involved. And this is the postscript and cipher kept by Walsingham and used as evidence against the conspirators and Mary, Queen of Scots. Now, what happens is the conspirators are arrested, they're tried, they're interrogated, and they are later brutally executed on the 20th of September, 1586. They're hanged, They're castrated and they are disemboweled. Mary is then taken to Fotheringay Castle. She's put on trial in October. Elizabeth, months later, signs Mary's death warrant on the 1st of February, 1587. And seven days later, Mary is beheaded. So the end of any attempt to replace Elizabeth with the Catholic Mary. What do you think of that, Sam?
0: It's unbelievably complex, and I love the idea of spies going around trying to decode things and making making things invisible. It makes you actually think that um, so much of politics and life, there was a kind of an undercurrent to it. There was a sort of a subtext, wasn't there? People were doing and saying things even though they meant something different.
1: And much of it is very hard for us as historians to recapture because so much of this is invisible to us. So much of it happens to f- face-to-face, and the documents don't survive. Now, we need a task for today, and the task is to make invisible ink. And my ideas for this come from a Latin autobiography by a Jesuit priest, John Gerard, who, when he was in prison because of his Catholic religion, he wrote to his friends on the outside using invisible ink from oranges that was smuggled in. So here's what you need. You need a sheet of paper, you need an orange, and you need a quill, or it can be any kind of writing implement. You squeeze the orange juice into a glass, and then you dip your nib into it, and then you write on your paper a secret message. Then you let the paper dry with the ink upon it, and then this is very clever. You need somehow to warm the paper. You can either do this with a candle, which is what they would have done, or I think you could probably use a hairdryer. And this heating will reveal the invisible ink. Now, have a go at this. It's absolutely brilliant. We've done it. It works. And this is how, during the 16th century, spies would have communicated invisibly to each other. Wonderful fun. I can't wait to see how you guys get on with that.
0: Um, do please check out everything we're doing on historiesoftheunexpected.com. Find us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter and do get in touch. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style
1: with Quinn's.